Heavenly Father, we do thank you for um, the wonder of the gospel. Thank you for these uh, uh, words in the songs we've been singing about our super saviour who is mighty to save, um, about our sins forgiven, about eternal life in him. Uh, we thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for revealing um, your plan of salvation um, through your chosen saviour king uh, in the Bible. We thank you for Paul's letter to the Romans. And today as we come to these uh, closing uh, sections in Romans 16, uh, we pray that um, you would speak to us um, through it and we pray that you would change us um, for your glory and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Tom. So Romans 16, uh, 17 to 20. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Friends, you might have heard of the idea of having heresy bells. I don't know if you've heard this phrase, heresy bells. It's a phrase that kind of, it tries to capture something, a bit of an attitude that can take root among Christians. And if you imagine having a bell kind of attached to your hip, a kind of or like a gun in a holster, and you're always ready to whip it out at any moment and ring your heresy bell at the slightest sniff of theological error. Uh, to have your heresy bells ready uh, shows a kind of eagerness to catch people out, right? Uh, a mindset that's ready to do that and kind of looking for an opportunity to do it. There are a few problems with the, uh, this kind of heresy bell mentality that can creep in. It can be similar to what Jesus describes in one of his more hilarious images that he talks about in one of his parables. He says, talks about someone who's always, you might be familiar with this, always looking for specks in other people's eyes when all of the while they've got this great big whopping log sticking out of their own. If you can try and imagine it, it's this ridiculous kind of uh, scenario, this, this hilarious image. Uh, to be eager to point out other people's faults can often go along with a lack of awareness of our own <laughs> faults our own logs in our own eyes. But Paul himself has faced this issue back in Romans 14. You, if you were here when we looked through Romans 14, he spent a long time going through the really key and vital importance of unity in God's church. He says back in 14, chapter 14, stop quarrelling over disputable matters. The ultimate reason, if you remember when, if you were here, the ultimate reason is for God's glory, that God would be glorified through a united and diverse people who are gathered together to bring him praise. Um, in order to bring praise, so Paul writes, accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise for God. But if this kind of mentality doesn't quite sit in line with uh, Jesus' teaching or what Paul's getting at here, what's the alternative? Is the alternative to being kind of having our heresy bells unhooked at the hip and ready to ring? Is the alternative a kind of theological free-for-all? Uh, an anything-goes kind of mentality where our main goal is for everyone just to get along uh, so we don't have to talk about any absolute truth. We don't have any solid convictions that are worth standing for, worth fighting for. 
Well, friends, we also reflected, if you were here when we looked at chapter 14, we reflected on the way the Bible presents kind of different levels of truth, different kind of options. And we saw there, um, uh, there'll be some things coming up on the screen. We, we saw that, that Paul talks about these matters of preference. Or no, not, uh, he goes on to talk about the disputable matters, which we'll get to in a moment, but these matters of preference, right, on the outside. Uh, you like vanilla, I like chocolate, big deal, right? I'm not going to kind of try and convince you to like chocolate if you don't like it. It's just a matter of preference. Uh, Right in the centre, though, there's this, this, this idea that of, of core Christianity, the, the central, unchanging, objective realities of the Gospel. And we're going to come back to that. Uh, Paul, in chapter 14, talks about this really important category of disputable matters. Issues that aren't right in the centre, they aren't core, but they're still important to think through and they have real truth about them. It's just that they're issues that Christians can and do disagree on. Now, they can have different opinions over, but they're not issues that we should divide over. Okay? They're not issues that should divide us. Uh, Paul says, if you remember back in chapter 14, he says, let every person be fully convinced in their own minds without passing judgment on another or despising each other about these disputable matters. The problem with the kind of eagerness to catch people out kind of mentality is that it it kind of expands the core. So if we go to the next slide, there can be a kind of uh, mentality that expands the core out so much that basically everything gets included in it. So unless you have my precise understanding about how and when people should be baptised or what gets included in our church gatherings, how you understand the details of particular parts of the Bible, uh, whether you're pre-millennial, post-millennial, a-millennial, if those things mean anything to you, unless you match up to my precise understanding of every detail, then you're probably a heretic. Uh, and at least I'll treat you with suspicion. Um, okay, so that's kind of what happens with the heresy bell mentality, the, the readiness to point out people's... The, the core gets expanded to include everything. Uh, the problem with the opposite, though, is just as bad the anything goes kind of mentality, where nothing is worth holding on to. So if you go, uh, keep flicking through. Oh, sorry, that was uh, yeah, my, my mistake. So the next one. Uh, the, 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 there is no core. There's no, there's no real truth. Everything gets shrunken down into a matter of preference to the in opinion category. Nothing is worth holding on to. Nothing is objective. Everything's up for grabs. And just do what suits you. Just do what you like. Well, we've seen Paul's response to what I've called the heresy bell mentality. Gospel unity gives people space to work out disputable matters before God. That's a really important thing that Paul wants us to hear in Romans. But what we're going to see today is Paul taking aim at this other kind of free-for-all mentality. Uh, he's got right to the end of this incredible letter. He's gone right to the end of it. And it's as if before signing off, uh, he wants him to make sure that the Roman Christians have understood him properly. Your unity together is vital for the gospel. It's vital, Paul says, over the last few weeks, it's vital for his, his mission to take the gospel out. The unity of Christ's church is key uh, so that we can partner together in Christ in proclaiming his gospel to the world and seeing people from all nations worshipping him. 
There is legitimate room for difference on secondary matters. But Paul, before he signs off his letters, he wants to really force home that please, please don't for a second think that truth doesn't then matter. And when it, it does, and when it comes to core gospel truths, watch out. That's what he writes in verse 17. should come up on the screen. Verse 17, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Well, you know, what a way to finish your letter. I don't know if you've ever... We sort of don't write letters that much. Maybe emails are more kind of... Uh, similar sort of thing, probably not the sort of thing that you'd necessarily think about putting at the end of your letter, but it shows us how important this is to Paul, uh, this warning that he, he needs to put in before the end of his letter. Do you notice that the key kind of measuring stick is this phrase, the teaching you have learned? Uh, the key measuring stick for the danger that uh, Paul wants these Roman Christians to um, be aware of He's not saying the teaching that you learned from anyone, uh, so just whatever you learnt as you were a kid, when you were a kid, sort of, and, you, and you, as you've grown up, just accept that and uh, watch out for anything that's different. That's not what Paul's saying. This idea of the teaching is kind of a short way, a shorthand way of, for Paul of saying the gospel that was taught by the apostles, the, the gospel that has come down by, through the apostles. Um, and I, I think the most natural way to read what Paul gets at here, this idea of anything that takes you away from the teaching you have learned, I think the mo most natural way to understand what he's getting at is to look at what he's already written in this great letter to the Romans. Um, Romans is Paul's fullest treatment of this teaching, this teaching of the apostles about the gospel, about God's great plans and purposes all fulfilled in Jesus. And it's worth remembering that Paul writes this not just as another theologian, right? He writes this as an apostle, apostle of Christ, a capital A apostle commissioned by Jesus himself who speaks with his authority. The teaching that Paul passes on to us, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is God's true and infallible word. And just... Uh, it's been a while, we've been going through Romans for so long, but a very brief kind of cook's tour of what this teaching that we've learned is. We saw in chapter 1 to 3 this really clear and striking outline of the universal sinfulness and guilt of all people before God. Uh, God's good and just and righteous anger and judgment at that. Um, that's key to Paul's presentation of this gospel, this good news. Because it is good news, because then Paul goes on in later in chapter 3 and into chapter 4 to, if you remember that uh, illustration Steve used of revealing the diamond of the gospel against this dark background, um, the, the incredible news of God's free, glorious grace that he gives us in, into this situation where all of us as turned away from God, he gives us a free righteousness that we don't deserve, we don't earn, we just receive through faith in Jesus. And then we saw in chapter 5 to 8 how that kind of, Paul unpacks the implications of that, 
We are united to Jesus through faith in him so that everything of ours he takes on himself, all of our sin and burden and uh, rejection of God, he takes on himself and everything that's his, all of his righteousness and life and peace and joy, all of that gets given to us through being united to Jesus. We're dead to sin and alive to God. This great, wonderful news. Um, uh, Paul went on, if you remember, in chapter 9 to 11 to talk about the specific issue of um, Israel and the plans of God and he used that to kind of reflect on God's sovereignty, God's sovereign election and human responsibility. There's a lot in there and we we can't go through it all, but that's kind of just to jog your memory if you've been with us on this as we've read through Romans of this teaching, this, uh, the, the apostles' teaching of the gospel that they have learned. And Paul says, there will be those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to this teaching, that stop people from holding fast to this gospel. It's really interesting, I think, that Paul says that uh, these are the people who are causing division. There's a, bit of a, there's a bit of a common perception, I don't know if you've come across this, there's a bit of a common perception that the people who hold to orthodox, biblical, historical Christianity, uh, the teachings of the Bible, uh, they are the ones who are seen as divisive, um, especially when the Bible's step is out of, out of touch with, pop, with the current culture. Consistently, it seems to me, it's... It's kind of conservative evangelicals who hold the Bible's teaching. They're the ones who are painted as being divisive. Um, as they're the ones who are breaking up the church. But can you see what Paul's saying here? That's not, that's not true. It's those who depart from the apostles' teaching who are divisive. Uh, not those who hold to it. Uh, they're the ones who are abandoning the faith once for all delivered to the saints, in which is our unity not those who hold to it. And notice too how their character is all tied up with their false teaching. Do uh, You see that in the verses, uh, in verse 18 especially, they're not serving Jesus, they aren't humble, they, aren't self, they, are, they are self-seeking, they want influence, they want to lead and ultimately for their own pride so that they can fill themselves up. And that flows out, you see, in smooth talk and flattery that deceives people. Pretty sobering picture, right? This reality that uh, Paul paints. Uh, you could get to this point, though, right, and think, uh, was this just an issue for them back then? Okay, Paul might be talking about a, spe- a specific kind of problem that is going on in the church there that we don't. But then you get to verse 19. Uh, it wasn't as if the Romans were particularly in danger here. In fact, you, do you notice in verse 19, Paul's really positive about them. He says, Everyone has heard of your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. Uh, even though things are looking really good from Paul's perspective, he looks at the Roman church and says, You're doing really well. He's really thankful for them. He's pleased at how things are going. He still wants them to be on guard against these kind of false teachers. He knows that until Christ returns, there will always be a threat of this. Uh, And he sees that the way to do this is to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. 
the teaching they received is, is good. Is, perhaps I think I don't realise this all the time, the teaching that we have received in the Bible is good. The Psalms talk about God's word as more precious than gold and sweeter than honey. Uh, and Paul says, be wise to that. Soak in it. Let the gospel that was entrusted to the apostles, that has come down to us in their writings, let that sink into us and shape us about everything. He says, be wise to what's good, but be innocent to evil. He doesn't pull his punches, does he, Paul? He kind of, I'm a bit of a um, conflict avoider at times. I need to work through that and I've got issues, I know, that we all do. Uh, but Paul doesn't pull his punches here. Uh, false teaching that takes you away from the life-giving gospel, from the word of God's grace in Christ, is not just wrong. It's not just unfortunate. It's evil. <laughs> you notice what Paul says there. And we are to be innocent about it and have nothing to do with it. He goes even further. It's not just evil. It's even from Satan himself, the great deceiver, the great enemy of God's people, great enemy of God. All this is pretty full on, right? And we'll hear about that in a second. It, it, it's tempting to be overwhelmed by this, this struggle, but Paul knows this struggle for the core truth of the gospel isn't something that we need to be uncertain about or anxious about. We need to be warned about it. We need to be wise to what is good, soak ourselves in the gospel, but we can do that with great confidence as well. You see that in verse 20? This great sort of image, um, and perhaps it stood out to you, it certainly stands out to me. Verse 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Uh, God is the God of peace. His great purpose is to bring peace, to make everything new and right and at rest, to finally get rid of all sin and evil and suffering and death, to renew this world in life and peace and righteousness. He's the God of peace. But that doesn't make him weak. He has, he has already struck the decisive kind of blow against Satan in Jesus' own death and resurrection. And the time is coming, Paul writes, when Satan will be finally crushed. And that is a good thing. I wonder, I see this in myself and perhaps broad, more broadly for us as a culture, I, we, we perhaps have lost something of our sensitivity to evil, our longing for it to be done away with. The crushing of Satan means the destruction of sin and of evil and even of death itself. It means God's wonderful peace and it is wonderful and something we, long, we should long for. And it is the hope that we battle under. It will happen. We have this future hope of God's great eternal peace, but we also have the present reality of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's something really important here, I think, as Paul finishes off this little, this little paragraph. It is grace that at the end is at the heart of the teaching that we have received. That outline of the gospel through Romans, uh, it does include 
difficult news about the state of people before God in their own rebellion and sin, but it is overwhelmingly, and uh, uh, the focus of it all, the gospel, is all about grace. It's God's gracious response to that through Jesus. False teaching, one one way or the other, undermines grace. It can do it, it actually can do it in a very subtle way by denying the reality of sin and judgment. Uh, Sometimes false teaching can look very gracious. God doesn't judge. He's not interested in sin. He's a God of love. Now, that sounds so good, doesn't it? But there is, there's, there's so much that's actually wrong with that statement. But, but it, it's basically what one theologian calls cheap grace. Cheap grace. The grace of Jesus is freely given to us. But it's not cheap. It's costly grace. It cost him his own life to give it to us. And behind that stands the reality of our sins and of God's judgment. False teaching can undermine grace by minimising sin. Um, on the other hand, though, it can undermine grace by kind of lifting up rules and rituals and regulations so much that they become the way that you get saved, not by God's gracious gift received by faith. It's the grace of Jesus that we see that's just been the theme of Romans, uh, his undeserved kindness to us. That is with us, that powers us for this struggle, this battle. Well, friends, being wise to what is good means knowing, it, it kind of, how do we think about this? How do we reflect on this passage? How, how do we be wise to what is good? It kind of assumes that we know what it is, what is good, what to hold fast to. We've, as, we've, as I've said, we've kind of skimmed through that, the letter to the Romans, and um, hopefully that's embedded some of this um, truth that we have received into our own hearts. Over the next month or so, though, we're going to be looking at this new series of, um, uh, of uh, Bible passages and sermons and in our home groups, uh, looking at, and I've mentioned it before, the, the solas of the Reformation, these great catch cries that defined this movement of the Reformation 500 years ago. And we'll get into those more next week. We're going to start next week with the last passage of Romans, a bit of an overlap, a bit confusing. And there will be a, a week that doesn't quite fit in the series. But it's all on that postcard. Uh, but it's a good place to start, a way for us to sink deeply into what is good, to be wise to it. So we'll be able to discern what is false, what undermines the gospel. Well, there's obvious examples of that, though, aren't there? I mean, uh, uh, we can probably think of those. You may be able to. Groups who, uh, there's, there's a kind of the obvious examples of groups whose official teaching goes against um, the core truth of the gospel, the, the reality that's outlined by Paul in Romans. Um, and uh, we need to be wise about that. Groups like the Jehovah's Witness and the Mormon Church, the Christadelphian Church and others, we need to be loving but wise and understand that these groups, well, they cause divisions and put obstacles in the way of the true gospel. But there are movements in the Christian church too, though, that reject the faith once and for all delivered. 
there's lots of issues going on at the moment you may be aware of around different churches and that's what I alluded to earlier talking about how people who hold to what the Bible teaches about a whole range of different issues they're the ones are seen as being divisive but it's not the case uh, these aren't disputable matters uh, a lot of it uh, uh, stems around issues of human sexuality same-sex marriage is one of the hot topics currently but there are many others and all of this needs to as we as I've said needs to be done and thought about with grace grace is our sort of modus operandi um, but not in a way that undermines the gospel they aren't disputable matters there's clear teachings of, of the Bible that are being consciously rejected I just wanted to highlight just flags uh, perhaps a more subtle danger though that can creep in there's, those are kind of perhaps obvious to those who've been around the Bible for long enough to spot those um, there's another kind of way that this can take root I think often in it's often through popular theology that tends to focus on one thing to the exclusion of others um, often it'll downplay the reality of God's judgment uh, as we've seen though that is indispensable to the good news of the gospel and without it the gospel becomes shallow and uh, cheap um, you can find and you find if you encounter this kind of writing that God ends up being more a reflection of our own desires than the holy and untamable God of the scriptures um, and Paul wants us to be wise to this one current example I think is probably worth being careful about I just m mention this uh, because uh, it's going to hit the um, uh, the movie screen soon there's been a movie made of a popular book called the shack it's a written by uh, a Christian author I say this with caution because I haven't actually had time to read the book but I have read sort of excerpts of it and reviews from people that I trust I just mention it because it's going to be pretty popular this year and get a bit of exposure I think from what I understand and with all those kind of caveats and grains of salt in mind from what I understand it presents a view of God that is significantly different from the teaching that we have received through the apostles and prophets in the scriptures now it may be just a good story to enjoy fair enough don't want to overreact uh, but Paul's warning here should at least make us be wise uh, make us want to be wise that we're not having uh, to, to the reality that we can have our thoughts about God shaped not by the teaching that has been delivered to us but by people around us not God's word to us anyway um, friends I just want to finish um, having sort of thought about that I want to finish by reading something of uh, uh, from the book of Acts and I think this, this is a, a, a kind of precious insight into the way that Paul himself went about this he went about um, warning and exhorting people about this reality of false teaching in the church It's a powerful story from Acts 20 Paul is about to leave um, the leaders of the church in a place called Ephesus is leaving them for the last time he, he wants to warn them as he's leaving he wants to warn them about this reality of false teachers he doesn't you notice as you read through it he doesn't enjoy it he does it with tears he's no gleeful heresy bell ringer uh, but he knows that eternal things are at stake he knows the reality of God's grace and that's what he commits them to that's what will strengthen them and keep them 
true to the gospel, the, re- the word of God's grace. Well, I'll read it from verse 28. This is Paul in action. Uh, This is his speech to these Ephesian elders. He says to them, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. And what does Paul do in response? What's his sort of final words to this group? Now I commit you to God and the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. It is the word of his grace, the wonderful gospel of Romans, That will make us wise to what is good and keep us innocent from what is evil. Let's pray, friends, that that word will continue to sink into us and shape us. Father, we do ask your wisdom. We pray we need need your help to discern what it is that is good and be wise to that, to love it and pursue it. Um, Help us to be wise also uh, about the reality of False teaching, we pray that you might keep us at Trinity South Coast from that. We, we pray that you might soak us deeply in the truth of your gospel as we find it in the scriptures uh, so that we might grow more and more wise to that. Lord, we pray uh, for your people everywhere that you might preserve the purity of this wonderful gospel. We know it is wonderful, Lord, and it's just a tragedy when it, when it gets abandoned or when it gets dis- um, Uh, sort of distorted Uh, father we pray that you might preserve it not only among us but in all your among all your people that the great and life-giving news of jesus might be wonderfully and boldly proclaimed to many people and that many people might put their trust in him and receive new life through him and we pray that all for your glory in jesus name amen